Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 629 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, we're going to be speaking with Tiffany, who is the mother and daughter of a type 1. Tiffany herself does not have type 1 diabetes, but she's here to share the story of the people around her who do. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should keep... Whoa. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox... Yeah. <clears throat> I'll go again. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Wow, three times. That doesn't usually happen. If you are a U.S. citizen who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of somebody who has type 1 diabetes, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Join the registry, fill out the survey, support type 1 diabetes research while you're supporting the podcast. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Record your voice here for a second. Just give me any testing words. It's fine. Okay. I'm Tiffany. Excellent. And I'm nervous. This morning I was like, why did I do this? I just like listening. <laughs> Well, guess what? This is recording fine, so we're just going to keep going, and we're going to make that your introduction. <laughs> okay. So, Tiffany, let's start with you're nervous? Yes. Why? I don't know. I I think every episode is great, and yet I'm like, why am I on? I don't know why I did this. You think you're going to be the one that messes it up? No, okay. but I also, I did coming into it think, do I just be totally honest and then I can tell everyone, oh, I was on this, listen to it? Or should I just be, or, you know, I, I didn't know if I should try to be a little more let me, let me nice ask, about. Yeah, let me ask oh. you a question. You're saying if you're <laughs> okay. completely honest, there are people you're not going to be able to share this with. Yes. Uh, are those people physicians? Oh, no. Oh. More school nurse or. That kind of uh, I don't know, family members or... Gotcha. Well, we'll see where it goes, and then you can decide afterwards who to tell and who not okay. to tell. <laughs> okay. Right now, only you and I know. So Okay. Um, although I have to admit, I just recorded an episode with a person who works in an, the endocrinology department of a fairly large hospital, and we got to the end of it, and the person said... Uh, I heard this long, like dullness in their voice. And I said, are you thinking we shouldn't put this up? And they said, yes, I am starting to think that. And I said, I'm also thinking that I think maybe you would lose your job. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I want my job, but yeah, yeah, yeah no, but, but it, it was just, I don't very... want to offend anyone. Well, yeah, this was, this was different than that. This was like, oh, that's how you feel about some of those people. Like, but it was just very, it's an interesting look into how somebody inside of the system might see parts of the system that are uh, claiming yes. to do things for you. So anyway, yes. 
that's not this. Tiffany, you are uh, how old? So I'm 37. Okay. And you, I'm a. You, I'm sorry, you don't have type one, right? No. Okay. So my connection to type one is that my dad was a type one and my daughter is type one. So I'm that like skips a generation. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that. there's not, I know that's not science, but. It's interesting that that's something I was told growing up. Oh, don't worry. It skips a generation. You think that's just something somebody told you so that you wouldn't worry about it? Yes. Because I, as a kid growing up, um, my dad was like an uncontrolled diabetic. So I was afraid to get type 1 growing up. And then I think people thought, oh, telling me, don't worry, it skips a generation. Yeah. There's a special thing that happens. You can't get it. Don't worry about it. Uh, Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. What when would that have been? The late seventies, early eighties. So my dad was diagnosed at age ten mm-hmm. in about nineteen. I don't know, mid sixties. And so I grew up in the eighties and nineties. With that, um, yes, hearing the skips a generation theory. <laughs> it's, don't worry. It skips a generation. <laughs> It'll happen to your kids. And so, yeah, growing up, I did think like, well, I don't want to have kids because they're going to have diabetes. I want to adopt. Really? Yes. Oh, that's what uh, I think. I don't know that that's Arden talks about adopting. So mm-hmm. I don't I'm not sure still where that comes from, um, but it might be part of that. I have no idea. We'll see. She's pretty young still. OK, so your dad, you called your dad. Uh, uncontrolled i mean in fairness to him he was probably even if he was doing everything they told him to do in the when in the 60s and 70s he was probably not doing well as far as his health goes but it wouldn't mean that he wasn't doing what they were asking him to do do you have a feeling for whether he was following the the rules of the time or if he was even just ignoring that so it's interesting because dad passed away when i was 13 so Mm -hmm. only lived to age 41 And so I only have a kid's view, you know, a kid's menu of my dad asking my mom, my mom, um, my aunt. Um, He was diagnosed at age 10 in a time where they, I guess, told you, you know, you're going to have a very short life. Um, And his mom treated him as if he were sickly and oh, poor Richard, that was my dad's name. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he really lived like he was only going for 10 years. So I do have a new respect that did not have the tools to speak up for success either. You're breaking up, Tiffany. I'm sorry, you said he didn't, you have respect for the fact that he didn't have the tools. Yes, he didn't have the tools. So I have a much better understanding of how hard that would have been. And, you know, he was testing his urine instead of blood and, but he definitely, it was in his mind that he wasn't going to live long. So just have, so it was a little reckless. Yeah. So once he thought fate complete, then he was just like balls to the wall. I'm going for it. And I'm not going to do any, I'm probably not doing most of these things I'm supposed to do most days. And I'll just go as fast and hard as I can until this. Exactly. He probably woke up in his thirties and was like, why am I still here? You know, possibly. Yeah. yeah. He's like, Oh, I guess I should have a kid. And then here you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So my sister and I, my parents divorced when I was little. 
So we would go to his house on weekends. And yeah, to me, it seems crazy that my mom let us. Was he passing out and things like that? Or what was his, how, how, what was it like being around him? Do you remember? Um, I do have memories of growing up where like uh, we would call 911 every so often. I remember some car accidents from when he was low. Um, Yeah, just really crazy things that I always kind of not laughed off like, wow, that was crazy. Yeah. And then when my daughter was diagnosed, I realized probably how traumatic those things were. Mm -hmm. You know, it always was like, oh, what a crazy childhood. And then when my daughter was diagnosed a year and a half ago, I think it all kind of flooded in as like, that's not so funny. Right. That's, right. You know, he was holding on by a thread the whole time. Yeah. So he died of diabetes complications. So like strokes, um, he had just started dialysis. Um, yeah, he got to it pretty quickly, huh? Yes. So and it, it's from sustained highs. So when my daughter was diagnosed, I was so afraid of high blood sugars instead of the lows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your perspective is different. That felt very scary early on when we didn't know how to control it, you know, and we're pricking her finger and it's 300. I didn't have the knowledge of like how to get it down and get it stable. Yeah. But instead of just thinking, I know this isn't healthy, you were thinking, this is what killed my father. Yes, exactly. Okay. That was definitely my initial thoughts. Right. So I had a really hard time with her diagnosis. Yeah, you, did, you didn't think she would uh, find calling 911 to be a, a fond childhood memory, huh? No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's really um, kind of, I don't, I'm, I'm lost for my words, but that must have been overwhelming for you, I'm imagining. Yes. Yeah. So I definitely got a therapist. Mm-hmm. When my daughter was diagnosed, um, her diagnosis story is a little, I mean, similar in a lot of ways to everyone else, but I've always known the signs. So then when she was starting to drink a little more water, we blamed it on like, oh, she got a new water bottle that she loves. And she started peeing a little more. But I was confused because online I was reading like fruity smelling breath, but she wasn't in DKA. Mm-hmm. So I was a little thrown off because I was like, well, she doesn't have that. She's not vomiting. She's not lethargic. And, you know, I was looking reading the DKA symptoms, but it was so early on. I brought her to the pediatrician and I started crying and I was like, my dad was type one. I think she has type one. She has this, this and this symptoms. And the pediatrician thought I was nuts Mm -hmm. and just was like, okay, so she's tired after a school day. She's, you know, I don't know, brushed it off, took a urine sample, just thinking that it was a UTI and sent us home. And I went home to my husband and I was like, wow, I need therapy. I have convinced myself she has type one diabetes and she doesn't. And then the, (laughs) the doctor called us back about 24 hours later and said, so there's glucose in her urine. And I was like, what does that mean? And she said, she probably has type one diabetes. And I said, could it be anything else? And she said, maybe a rare kidney disorder, but probably type one. Yeah. Yeah, Which one of these bad things do you want to wish for right now? Exactly. A rare kidney disorder or type one. Um, Did you, did you, 
did you, you and you stayed with the idea of I'm going to therapy no matter what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't like make you so, go, aha, I knew it. <laughs> well, and I really believed I had caused it. I know it sounds nuts now, but I don't know. Have you heard of the book, The Secret, like the law of attraction? No, you're beyond me on that one. What is that? Oh, Are you going to tell me okay, some hippie thing? Just, this is going to be a hippie yes. thing, isn't it, Tiffany? Go ahead. Go ahead, tell me. Yes. It just like, I think I was in college when the book, The Secret, and there's a movie, and it's like, whatever you think about, you will bring into your life. Oh. And so I really thought, oh, no, I've been thinking about type one and my kid type one that I brought it on her, which is bonkers. That's not how science works, <laughs> but I just, I really believe that, that like I had caused it. Okay. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. No, and I've wished for a number of things in my life and thought very uh, hard on them and none of them have happened. So I'm going to go that I don't think that works. Uh, but I understand the feeling of like, oh, I've surrounded us with this, like, like this specter yes. constantly right now. Here it is. Although yes. autoimmune is, you know. Get, does get passed down through generations. So that that's probably your better example. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rather than thinking my genetics caused, caused it. You're like, oh, I, I put the bad juju on this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yes. well, but even, but, but that aside, the feeling is I did this. I did this. I did yes. this. Yeah. And I, I like, I felt so guilty. I don't know if I even said it to my husband because I felt so guilty. Like I really believed it. Like, Oh. I couldn't say to him, like, I caused this. I've been thinking about this, and I caused this. Where do you land Which, on that now? That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to this later. Um, a year after her type 1 diagnosis, she was diagnosed with a second autoimmune disease that I've never even heard of. Mm -hmm. So clearly, I did not bring that into existence <laughs> because I've never even heard of juvenile dermatomyositis. Oh, before I was, she was diagnosed with it. I was wondering how we were going to pronounce that. Um, well, yeah, we will get to that. That's <laughs> super interesting as well. Um, I don't want to stay here too much longer, but any other things in your life that like, you know, are you like find yourself on the boardwalk and you go get your palm read or something like that? Like, is that your vibe or did this? No, just, no, this no, just no not at all. Okay. N not at all. I think it was just like the power of positive thinking. I don't, uh, I liked that book in college and thought, <laughs> you know, if you Maybe think I, success into your life, it will come. And, I think, but no. well, by the way, uh, not to get too far off track, but you can talk yourself into doing something. There's, there's no doubt in that. I don't know that you can talk yourself into getting diabetes, but I mean, you could say, I'm going to get up every day. I'm going to do, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to, you know, move towards a goal. Yes. Those things you can hype yourself up for and. Um, and I think that's the value in what of that they idea. were saying. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I listen, there are days when I walk in this room and I'm like, oh, I can't do this again. I can't I can't edit another podcast. Like, I already recorded it. Like, <laughs> someone else do it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to. But then I sit yeah. down and I start and I, and I start listening. And I'm like, oh, I remember how good this conversation was. I want to get it out to people. And I get a little excited. And, you know, and you can you can move yourself in directions like that. But... Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Okay, so father grew up with type one at a time well before any kind of meaningful understanding. It does. Yes. It seems like he leaned into the idea of uh, I'm going to live fast and leave a good looking corpse, and then it it happened for him. You yes. have this hap. First, you see a divorce, and then you see 
um, living like that, but not for particularly long. I mean, he passes when you're fairly young. What, what's yes. the what's the impact of his passing on you? Um, I mean, it was definitely you know sad and traumatic. I was 13. He was uh, my my sister was 15. I feel like she took it much harder because this is going to be terrible. But his side of the family, I think, made comments to my sister saying like, you know, oh, you didn't, you didn't look after your dad or kind of made her feel responsible for his health. And I never took that on as I've always had the view of, I was a child. He's a, he's an adult. We were not responsible for his health. Um, We were at his house the we woke up in the morning and found him unconscious called 911 thinking you know this was going to be just a routine wake dad up thing but I don't really know what happened in the end but I think it was like DKA leading to a coma Mm -hmm. you know and was in a coma for two weeks but then had a do not resuscitate so then passed I think two weeks later in the hospital I, I, um, I never took it on as my responsibility, right. but I feel like my sister did. Did I, I have to tell you when you told when you said that just now that extended family said you didn't take good care of him. I thought the same thing that I have found myself thinking so many times while recording this show. Like, what is wrong with some people? Like, yes, really. Like, yes, pull yourselves together a little bit. <laughs> Go up to a yes. child and blame them for the death of a man yes. who's, you know, born with the disease in a time when nobody knew how to manage it well. Like, <laughs> yes. you know, this is probably your fault that your dad said, oh, well, great. Like, that won't stick to her. She's probably walking around thinking about that right now. Y- you know, like, that's really terrible. Uh, yes. Oh, people, please try a little harder. <laughs> so, than that, you know, to get a little deeper into that family, my dad's brother was also diagnosed with type one. Did your sister kill him, too? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, he, Scott, he did pass this year. Well, where's um, your sister? He, Let's get her and let her know what she did wrong. Like, I mean, that's how did he how did he pass? Please tell me he was hit by a car or something. No, it was actually COVID. Oh, geez. Um, I was just hoping it wasn't diabetes. I didn't. Oh, he got. COVID. Well, OK, so he. OK, so my my dad was diagnosed at age 10. Mm-hmm. His older brother was diagnosed at age 30 but thinks that he actually started seeing symptoms in his mid twenties and was kind of in denial and didn't want to face it and just enjoyed the weight loss. Gotcha. (laughs) And it really ravaged his body going for years before seeking treatment. Um, So he had a kidney trans kidney pancreas transplant. Oh, um, about the year 2000. Um, oh, so and he lived was on for immuno- 20 more years. He was on immunosuppressing drugs when COVID came. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Damn. Um, so, I mean, he was already in very poor health, but COVID was surprisingly the, the thing that actually got him. His poor health was from damage from the diabetes prior to the um, transplant? That, that's, yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. So, I mean, like every complication you can think of. Hmm. diabetes related um, from having high blood sugars too. you know, once he was diagnosed, it wasn't like great care either. Yeah. So he probably, I wanna, yeah, it was probably like 1980. Yeah. That's still too early. And he, and he probably, 
I'm assuming he felt the same way your brother did because he saw it happen or your father did because he saw it happen to his brother. And then it probably felt pretty hopeless. And then he just got back on that ride along with him. That's terrible. I, I mean, I, not, I, I think he up. tried to, I, I do think he, he had a different, you know, he had four kids, great marriage. Oh, wow. You know, I think he was in a different situation, but yeah, I, I was talking to my aunt and she was saying, oh, his range was 280 to three something that That's the doctors wanted to keep him in because before you knew it, he would drop to 12. So he was constantly in the ER, and couldn't feel his legs from his knees down. And Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Um, I, I think that if you're listening and you've ever found yourself like um, feeling ill about the technology that, that exists today, you should uh, you should. Imagine a world where somebody tells you to keep your blood sugar over 280 because you might drop to 12. Uh, yes. Yeah. Ugh. So I feel like I can talk about it without thinking this is going to be my daughter's story. But, you know, I can separate them in my head. Like, mm -hmm. yes, she has type 1, but she will have a very different experience than um, my dad and uncle in a lot of ways. Oh, sure. I mean, there's a, a big difference between having a baby in 1810 and having a baby now, you know, like <laughs> yes. they, we figured a lot of stuff out and there's a lot more technology and we know how to do things. And, you know, there's, yes. there's a lot of reasons why things aren't going to go the same way, leaving for the idea that somebody is going to just have like, you know, spectacularly bad luck and it's not going to be everyone's lot the way it might have been more significantly everyone's lot in the past. You know, a lot yes. of people who were who were diagnosed around the time of your father and, and even his brother are going to end up in similar boats by the time, you know, things are done. And some people get yes. lucky or some people really figure it out, you know, or they, they eat a different way, which makes a big difference. Um, but for the most part, that, that was the that was the way they talked about it's the way doctors talked about it and they followed along. Oh, yes. Geez, really crazy. Yeah. Um, yes. I don't think that our children and people diagnosed now are going to have, um, I don't think they're on the same path actually. Yes. Yeah. What's interesting is when my daughter was diagnosed, I also, diabetes was really so out of my life or it felt like that. My uncle lived in another state. My dad had been gone for 23 years diabetes felt very out of our life. I don't, I didn't know anything about carbs and, you know, counting carbs or how people manage. I thought insulin pumps did everything for you. Right. You know, I really didn't know about it. Um, when my daughter was diagnosed and they were asking family history, I said, Oh, well, my dad, my dad's brother. And then I said, my father-in-law is type two, my husband's father. Mm -hmm but he's type one and I didn't even know it because he was diagnosed at age 60 and was one of those classic, like misdiagnosed as type two and was on metformin for years. Oh, um, how long? And, had, and had, where's a pump? How long had your father-in-law had diabetes that you didn't know he was type one? Um, I guess I don't really know. I think he's had it for 20 years now. Oh, wow. Now, because he didn't tell you or because are you not close? He never talked about it. Huh. We're close, but he was always, until my daughter's diagnosis, he just pulled out his meter and pump and put in his carbs. And it was just something we didn't even talk about or ask much about. Hmm. Your father, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, your father's diagnosed at 10. Your husband's father's diagnosed at 60. It's at 60. 
So yes, our kids are, I don't want to say doomed, but like, <laughs> I mean, they have it from both sides of the family. Yeah, I'm assuming the odds change. Uh, exactly. You no idea. Isn't that interesting? I, I told the doctors type two. I because I didn't know you could get diabetes at age sixty and it be type one. So now in hindsight, now any, I know. Anyone else on your <laughs> husband's side have type one? No, no, no other endocrine things that we know of. But my side, my sister has Hashimoto's. My mom has lupus. My dad had type one. So Man. apparently, I'm the only one that doesn't have something. Oh, I don't know about that. You you might want to. I yes, I agree. Yeah. I feel like something's coming because there's no way I got off. Well, um, wow, wow, wow. Oh, oh, geez, this is like a firestorm of autoimmune coming from every I side know. and angle. Uh, are you guys all from the same kind of background? Like, are you all like Irish or English or? So I know my mom's side is Norwegian. Ah, Scandinavian. Go ahead. I think my dad's side is Irish. Uh-huh. I'm only guessing because my grandma's name is Patricia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very scientific. That was great. My husband's side, I think, is German. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, just so, put, I'm just putting together anecdotal thoughts from years of making this podcast. That's all. Yes, I agree. It's it's always like Scandinavian stuff like Denmark. that. Yeah, like <laughs> when you hear somebody who's like you know outside of those like spaces, you're like wow, you it really got you. Like that's you know it's yes. festering in other places, but um, so interesting. Like I wish I would have known when I was uh, younger. I I, I would have asked my wife first where she was from. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. And we should have met each other and been like, what's the family medical history? Type one, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We'll just keep dating. We'll get a dog or something. It'll be nice. Um, wow. But no, but I mean, listen, we're joking around. Would you change your family? Would you no, give your, of yeah, course right, not. You, would you of give, course yeah, not. Right. You wouldn't give your kids away so that your daughter doesn't have type one, would you? No. If you if you would, would you ever say it here? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> sitting over there thinking, so Ed, oh scott i'd give this back in a heartbeat i just can't tell you <laughs> and and really the podcast i think has really given me a better outlook on things because there's so many people that have multiple children with type one that in the like in the facebook group and people that have come on that i feel like i have a better mindset for it so i have an eight-year-old who's my type one mm-hmm. and her little sister is six and is not type one, but I feel like, like I'm bracing myself, not living in fear, but just, well, we know how to deal with it, you know, kind of looking at it that way. Right. If, if she were to be diagnosed. Well, as they're growing up, point them towards boys who were born in certain parts of the world where nobody has type one diabetes. Maybe that'll, absolutely. Maybe that'll be helpful. You don't like him. Look over here. (laughs) (laughs) Would that be a weird thing to do? Um, Okay, so your daughter's diagnosed at how old? So she was six, six. in first grade. Wow. And um, we we definitely, uh, I don't want to say timed it right because COVID's terrible, but she was diagnosed February 2020. And then kind of the world shut down a month later. And I'm a fourth grade teacher, so I was able to be home when school closed and it really helped us figure out diabetes 
because like our life slowed down when school shut down. So she was in school for five weeks, newly diagnosed, and we didn't have a Dexcom until three months later. Um, But during that time, it really, that's when I I found the podcast maybe a month in to diagnosis. Mm -hmm. A friend had recommended Dr. Bernstein's book. Um, Like, oh, my friend has a type one and they follow Dr. Bernstein. So I bought the book, read it within like two weeks of diagnosis and not, I didn't really have panic attacks, but I could not sleep from reading that book because then I felt like every carb I gave her was killing her. Mm-hmm. And so I was really glad I found the podcast where like, no, 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 there's a way to eat carbs and dose for it to get good outcomes. This is, so. a, I think this is great, amazing insight into something that happens to people at the beginning of a diagnosis like this. Um, I see it happen all the time. It's how I'm hard pressed to put it into words at, at, at some points. Um, and if you were a person who wanted to eat like ultra low carb or, you know, follow a Bernstein diet or something, I, I would have no trouble with that. But if you um, had the feeling you had to just keep beating you with that stick and not telling you, well, maybe there's other things you could try. I think that's torturous. And um, like you have to show people all the options and then let them decide what to do. Right. Yeah. And I do feel like we've we did start a healthier diet as a family mm-hmm. once she was diagnosed. But if there's a birthday party at school and everyone's eating cupcakes, I want to know how to dose so she can have a cupcake. Yeah. And, you know, we still eat moderate. I Just overall, we are eating healthier since her diagnosis. So there's a, um, a bagel joint near me where sometimes my son grabs something called a killer, which I think is a bagel, eggs, bacon, pork roll, cheese. I don't know. It's, it's, I think, I think they call it a killer because it, it kills your heart. Um, but it's, um, <laughs> when they're there, he grabs uh, strawberry milk, which I never see him drink in any other scenario. And my daughter will grab a chocolate milk, which she has uh, three times a year. So, and it's not even chocolate milk. It's like Nesquik. Like I'm, I'm positive it's not milk. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, listen, if Nesquik's listening, I don't know what's in your milk. I'm sure it's milk, right? But whatever. I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> seems to last forever in that jar. So um, there's one in our cooler and it's just been there forever. And yesterday morning um, we were, she and Arden and I were leaving for her endocrinologist appointment. She's only had two in person since COVID. And this was going to be the second one. It is the first one since Arden's been taking more of a singular role of taking care of her blood sugars. So I've been like purposely backing out as she's leaning in and letting it happen. And there have been times where things happen that I would change that I don't I don't get on her about in the moment. Like I tell her about later, you know, I'm like, hey, today I saw what happened. Here's a thing I think you could have done. Like, I really am a slow I'm a slow burn teacher as far as stuff like that goes. I loved her episode. Yo, wasn't she funny? I know. Uh, oh by God. the way, I'll, we'll get to that. Hold on a second. Okay. I'll, I will, I'll make sure to get back to it. Uh, but anyway, we're rolling out the door uh, 45 minutes from when she's going to sit down in the office. And she's just been up and taking a shower and getting ready and everything. And she goes, I'm so thirsty. And she reaches in that cooler and pulls out that chocolate milk. And I was like, uh, do you know how to bolus that? She's like, I don't think so. So I said, well, here's what I would do. And I told her what I would do. And we did it. And I posted her uh, 
her graph after the chocolate milk and and um, on the Facebook page because it's an astonishingly good bolus. And um, and then she got an A1C of 5.6, which is wow. much more on her than it was on me. To me, proving that the tools I talk about on the podcast, they just sort of work. If you use them at the right times, you know, you can get these kind of outcomes. And But later I thought, who grabs a chocolate milk on their way to their endo appointment? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I was so proud of that. She was like, whatever, this will be fine. And she just, she really doesn't think about it. And, right. and there's something about the stuff that we talk about here that I think lends to that ability to not go, oh, I would like to have a chocolate milk, but you know, that's going to make my blood sugar high. And then my CGM is going to beep while I'm in there and I'm going to be embarrassed in front of them. So I'm not like none of that. Right. She just reached right. out and grabbed it. It was very cool. Um, I was great. proud of her. What did you like hearing from her? Like, what did you think? You're the first person I've ever I, asked. Oh, I just, <laughs> I, I know this is a weird thing, but I just felt like it was funny to hear you interact with someone who was just like, shut up. Like, <laughs> like just put you in your, not put you in your place, but just, it was really funny the way she was like, no one's listening to this. And, you know, we have this, I we put this podcast on a pedestal and then she's just like, who would listen to this? This is stupid. You know, you're an idiot. I mean, she, didn't, she didn't say that, but right, it was right. just really funny for someone to not think of the podcast the way I feel like a lot of us listeners do. It was, it was interesting for me to speak to somebody who didn't have the tiniest bit of reverence. Like, not that I want that, but there are, but you're not wrong. Yes, he, he, exactly. Right. She, yes. And it comes either way. Like either you are really grateful for the podcast and you come on here or I'll have somebody on from a company and listen, the, the back room of that is they know this reaches a lot of people. So, you know, if in the middle of the conversation I say something that gets a little sideways, they're not going to be like, shut up, man. They're going to be like, oh, I'm glad this is reaching people. So everybody's in that. I am in a tiny bit of a power position usually while I'm speaking. Yes, that's right. exactly what I thought was funny. Yeah. And and that she was just like, you're dead. Yeah. I, and what Stop I did looking was, at me. Then I picked the person on the planet who doesn't care about any of this at all. <laughs> yes. and I was like, can you come on the podcast? And then she was really super honest. And she was trying yes. to be funny at times, um, not on purpose. Like Arden's just like, you know, she's got my personality to some degree. And so, yes. you know, she's trying to be, I know I could see her trying to be entertaining. And I yes. got to be honest with you. I know that pressure. Like there's this, you know, there's always a feeling in the back of my head. Like this needs to keep moving. It needs to be entertaining. It needs to be quick. Yes, of insightful. course. Like, you know, this gets boring. People are going to stop listening. You have that. You do have that feeling. Um, and she, she leaned right into it. I was super excited. We're going to record more, um, in the coming weeks, actually. So you're going to get more of, uh, her and I talking about what I want. I can't her wait to know. So we'll see <laughs> how, how many more I names, I, how many more names I get called. Um, oh, and when you said, thank you. Okay. So you've just maligned every sponsor. of the podcast. <laughs> I, <laughs> That she, was amazing. Yeah, yeah. When she, when she was happy to tell people that for years, she thought it was Omnipod. Um, didn't know how to use her Givoke hypo pen, even though we had extensively spoken about it many times. Um, <laughs> had no idea G6. Yeah, G6. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's a Dexcom G, and she's Make like, <laughs> I'm like, there's a number after it. She just, I, I don't know, and I'm like, okay. Uh, but I thought, you know, it's funny, is that m I'm going to tell you that a, a large portion of the of what I've seen people talking about and what's come back to me has been positive about it, and I, and I do think that from a producing 
perhaps if I put a producer's hat on for a second, I think it did what I hoped it would do, which was allow most of you to think that maybe this won't encumber like, you know, my child, or maybe it doesn't have to encumber me like that if you're an adult. Um, So I was excited about that. I did get one note from somebody who did not like that Arden said she didn't believe in God. That seemed to be the only thing. Oh, when she said that, I thought, oh, no. Yeah, that is the only (laughs) thing that some people took from that. I was like, there's such a cornucopia of great information in here that you can take out of this for your life with diabetes. And instead, you're focused on her religious beliefs of a 17-year-old. I was like, all right, whatever. And, you know, so there was that. But even that stuff, like Arden's like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. You know, like um, she just had, she really isn't worried about what other people think about her. So I thought that was great. I love that. Yeah. And I could use more of that. You yeah. know, I, I, I love people that are like when you asked, what if someone bullies you, bullies you in school? And she said, that would never happen. <laughs> that would never happen. <laughs> I'm taller than the boys. Yes. I'm taller than the boys. <laughs> I was like, where does that even come from? Like, are they afraid of you? She's like, I don't know. I don't, maybe. I'm like, are you, she's like, ah, if they are, maybe that's good. And I was like, okay. Like just very, she's just very matter of fact and, yes. and super common sensey too. Like she's not, I mean, she's still 17. Like she, you know, she, sometimes she said something and then contradicted herself and that kind of stuff. But uh, she never, she did great. yeah, if you would have sat and watched her, she never once measured her words. And, yes. and I, I was, I thought that was nice. I, and I'm glad when people can come on and do that anyway. Uh, so your daughter's diagnosed in first grade, you said first grade, yes. first grade. This was surprising to you, obviously, but, yes. it, should, but it shouldn't have been, but, right? but shouldn't have been. Yes. Right, right. Um, what's the, what, what's the process? You get to the hospital and you come home, you have, what kind of like tech do they sent give home you? with pens? And a syringe for Lantus because she needed half units. Mm-hmm. Um, so her A1C was 7.7 at diagnosis. Okay. Um, she wasn't in DKA. So the weird thing was, though, that we were released from the hospital. And then the next appointment was not till six weeks later. Hmm. And that felt so strange that we were in charge of, I'm sure every parent feels that way or person that's diagnosed that I'm in charge of this. I have no medical training. And it was just weird to have our first follow appointment in the clinic six weeks later. Um, but then it, COVID struck. So all the education classes were canceled and we went to a major children's hospital. Yes. We're in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend whose daughter was diagnosed um, at 15 months old. So they were five years into this. And I called her and she said, you know, ask for the Omnipod and a Dexcom and explained what those were. So the first appointment, we were able to get the Dexcom. But by the time we actually got it, it was three months after diagnosis. Um, definitely life changing. We love the Dexcom. It works so well for us. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't know. Some people are like, oh, I get a sensor error. I feel like we have really good luck with yeah, I have to say that I'm going to sound like I'm defending a sponsor for a second, but I'm not. I just think it's the Internet. So if, you know, I don't know how many people are wearing Dexcoms, but just pick a big round number in your head. And if a percentage of them, even a really small percentage of them have like a problem or like, you know, you're wearing a pump and you're allergic to the adhesive or something like that. And then uh, someone comes online and says, I'm allergic to the adhesive. And if you get 10 more people to agree that that's happening to them, it feels like it's happening to everybody. Everyone. But if it yes. was happening to everybody, 
they wouldn't be able to sell them. So it, it's not, it doesn't make it not a problem and you don't want it to be addressed, not to be addressed. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the internet sometimes, like I have a sensor error, like, okay, well, okay. And they know it's that not perfect. And you can hear, uh, I've had two people on from Dexcom recently and they both said we're working hard for that to be less of an issue moving forward in the next iteration at G7. And, you know, right. they're not, ignoring it but this thing exists now this is what it is so you know some people have great luck with it some people have middling luck and some i, I know a couple of people it just doesn't work for and that's yes you know it's terrible because it is such an asset we just love we started asking for about six months but then they said oh well you have to wait a year and she's not enough on enough inland, which she really was only using about three unit a day mm -hmm. And zero Lantis at that point. She honeymooned for a long time because we caught it early. Of course, yeah. Um, and so I think her pink was still kicking out some long time. Like we had great nights because her body would keep her between 80 and 90 the whole night during, you know, the first six months, which was great. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't reality. And then we, so then they said, well, you know, it has to be a year before you get a pump. So then we were like, okay, well. And then at a year, they were like, well, she's not using enough insulin. But um, the reason we actually qualified for a pump eventually is because she was diagnosed with another autoimmune condition that was going to require steroids. Mm. And so they, then they were saying, okay, here we go. Let's get you ready for a pump. Let's get you to take the online class. And you're about to use a lot more insulin. So yes, juvenile. Oh, dermatoma. Oh God. You said <laughs> I got lost. Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. Just a couple more things. We'll get back to Tiffany. If you're looking for a Facebook group to support you in your life with diabetes, check out Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. It's a private group that now has, I think, close to 22,000 members in it. And there is somebody in there that you are going to dig on. You know what I mean? You're going to be like, I like this guy. I like this lady. I like the way they talk about the diabetes. Or maybe you'll just watch and other people's questions will get answered. And then your questions will be answered too. Who knows? what you're going to find valuable at juice box podcast type one diabetes on Facebook. And I just want to ask you one more time. If you're a U.S. resident who has type one diabetes or cares for someone with type one, please fill out the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. It supports people with type one diabetes. When you do this, it supports the show. It's completely HIPAA compliant, absolutely anonymous, takes less than 10 minutes. You can do it from your sofa. You could probably do it standing on your head. It takes like such a short amount of time if you're like one of those people who can stand on their head. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player 
and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to these and all the sponsors. Okay, let's get back to Tiffany and find out about that word I can't pronounce. It took me months. Juvenile dermatomyositis. Dermatomyositis. So derma, skin, myo, muscle. Okay. So we started noticing about nine months after she was diagnosed with type 1 that her knuckles were getting all red. So every knuckle in her fingers and on her hands was reddening. Mm -hmm. And we had Zoom endo appointments and... We showed the endocrinologist and he, we said, is this a diabetes thing? And he's like, oh, it's winter. It's probably dry skin and kind of just brushed it off. And then that was that. Wait, don't you live in Southern and, California? Exactly. All right, go ahead. <laughs> our, our, our winter is like 75. I'm paying attention. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, and so I just, first I thought it was Addison's disease because when I was Googling, which I know is not good, but I was Googling and the only thing I could come up with like autoimmune and the pigmentation was Addison. So they ran a test. He, he checked her thyroid and all that. Addison's came back negative. And so I was like, okay, I, I don't know. And then her, I actually posted in your Facebook group, a picture of her hands. Mm-hmm. And about 90% of people said Raynaud's, Raynaud's, Raynaud's. And there was one person that said, how do her cuticles, you know, how are her cuticles? And that was actually the key to it. Her cuticles were dying. Like they were all crusty. Mm-hmm. And then when I could type in the cuticles, the red knuckles autoimmune, I figured out it was juvenile dermatomyositis. But again, I was reading the extreme version, like, can't stand up from the floor, which does happen, like a real severe muscle weakness, but it was so early on, she wasn't having that. And so I ended up just emailing the um, endocrinologist with pictures. By then she started getting a little redness under her eyes and the bridge of her nose, which is a sign of it too, and sent pictures and said, I know I'm not supposed to Google, but I think it's juvenile dermatomyositis. He referred us to the rheumatology uh, department and they were able to order a blood test even before we were seen by rheumatology and confirmed myositis. Yes, there's some, there's some blood tests that you can see if you have the autoantibodies, kind of like Tiffany, diabetes. I, I don't know what it says about me, but that story is horrific and I'm sorry for you, but all I heard was that my Facebook page diagnosed this. Is that what I just heard? <laughs> It definitely helped. I think there were two people that said, look into juvenile dermatomyositis. Wow. I, that's So, yeah. Yeah, the power of help. being able to bring together, like, eyes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just a lot of eyes on something. Somebody might say something a little different. You can go, oh, I never thought of that before. Um, is a big deal. And I don't think Googling, by the way, I mean, I know that's an old joke, like, but at this point, you're not trying to figure out like the big stuff. It's not the normal things. Like you're looking into something. I mean, how many people have this? It's can't be. Yeah. So it's rare. Right. Um, <laughs> our rheumatologist sees, you know, I think he said he has 50 patients with uh, kids with juvenile dermatomyositis, but zero with type one. And so their initials are JDM, juvenile mm-hmm. dermatomyositis. He has no JDM patients with type one. And then our endocrinologist has tons of type ones, but none with 
juvenile dermatomyositis. It's so rare that, I don't know if people know this, I only know it because of the podcast, but when you Google different diseases, you normally get um, a breakdown of how rare it is. It, it pops up on the side of the of the Google page. This one doesn't even do that. It just like there's an article at arthritis.org that says it affects about three to five thousand kids. Yeah. And that's not so, a lot of people. That is the Yeah, and you never want your kid to have something rare. Yeah. Like, so what was interesting is type one, you're giving insulin, which is like a natural something that's naturally in your body. What's hard about juvenile dermatomyositis is you have to give all these meds that are have terrible side effects. So it seems that's what seems so different about it. I mean, they're completely different. But. What does she take for JDM? Okay. So um, right now she's not on daily steroids, but for a couple months she was on daily pred- oral prednisone, a steroid, calm the immune system. And she takes hydroxychloroquine mm-hmm. daily, a pill. And uh, injections of methotrexate every week. And then once a month, she has to go in for a whole day infusion and she gets a high dose steroid for the first two hours. And then she gets a thing called IVIG, which is intravenous immune globulin, um, which are like antibodies from donors. What are these drugs trying to prevent or slow down? So JDM is your auto, your immune system attacking your blood vessels. And so all these medications are trying to suppress your immune system from attacking itself. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, they don't really know why they work exactly. They just say they seem to help joint. And, you know, so that when she was diagnosed, she had an MRI of her legs and it confirmed, I guess you can see on an MRI, myositis, like um, inflammation of the muscles. Okay. So it took a dermatologist to just visually confirm, yep, this is definitely juvenile dermatomyositis. And then the MRI confirmed, yep, there's also muscles being affected. So all these things are just trying to get her body to calm down and stop attacking itself. Are the, um, um, what's the long-term goals? Um, unfortunately, there's no cure, but remission is the goal. So to just be living with less side effects. So no muscle weakness, the skin rashes. I feel like we have been super lucky. I don't want to jinx it. But for some kids, this is so severe that they can't go to school because they're so weak. Mm. They can't get up and walk. They have to be on steroids for years and years, and then it makes their bones brittle and they get fractures easily and their vertebrae. I mean, some people have such a terrible time with this disease right. um, that we've been really mild considering. Okay. Um, why do you sound so together while you're telling me about it? Is it the therapy? Or are you just not? <laughs> um, I get that a lot. I think my childhood has helped me like, I don't know how to say it. My childhood, I just had to like soldier on mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I can say things without a lot of emotion or I don't know. You just see them as um, things you need to do. 
Yes, right. exactly. Okay. And I feel like I handle stress by just like researching more and trying to get more information. Um, but I was such a mess when she, my daughter was diagnosed with type one. And I kept telling my therapist, like, I'm not normally like this. Like, it was really hard for me to not be able to eat. <laughs> and like, I couldn't eat for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just really affecting me. My Erica, Erica Forsyth. Mm-hmm. Is that so that episode actually made me seek out a type one therapist oh. because I was, I started with someone else who knew nothing about type one. And I just felt like I was wasting so much time trying to explain why it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I switched to a therapist that has type one herself and I love it. She wears a slim and a Dexcom and that's what my daughter has. And I just feel like there's that understanding of all that comes with diabetes. Yeah, you don't have to spend all that time, uh, you know, painting a picture of a world she's never yes. seen before, right? Yes. Oh, Erica's so I just so recommend that. And yeah. it, Erica was out of my network, even though she her practice is about 45 minutes from us. Mm-hmm. But she was out of network, so that made me seek out. And then I found actually an in-network therapist um, who has type one herself. Did you just call yeah. around and say, hi, you're a therapist. Do you have type one diabetes? And if they said no, you just hung up the phone and kept calling people or what did you do? Again, I just Googled oh, like, okay. marriage and family therapist type one. And it was in this lady, her name's Linda Robertson. It was in her pro- profile. Hmm. It didn't say she had type one, but she said experienced with the challenges that come with and you, chronic illness and type one diabetes. I, did you see how my old ass was just like, did you call people on the phone and hang out? Really, <laughs> that's really something. I'm I'm really getting to a bad spot. I'm pretty adept at using the <laughs> internet. And I was still like, what do you just call and ask and hang up? Because you don't want to explain it to everybody, right? It'll take all day. You have to just go, do you have type one diabetes? Click, click, click. That. <laughs> you won't be helpful. I can't. Yeah, no, I, can't, I know anyone me. will be helpful, but really it was Erica's that made me like really seek out oh. like, you know, someone that's knowledgeable with this might. It, so again, I thought I needed more therapy when she was diagnosed. Like I was in a good place mm-hmm. until she was like, then diagnosed with the second thing. Yeah. And I'm reading online, you know, monthly infusions. Some people do these infusions twice a month. And I just, that was another blow. I feel like we were in such a good place with diabetes. And I was expecting thyroid, celiac, like that seemed (laughs) so manageable. Right. Yeah. You're like, I hope I get one of these good ones. Like my thyroid doesn't work. And I mean, I, nothing I is gluten. good. No, but I know I what just, you mean. No, I know oh. what you mean. You start slotting. <laughs> Listen, I, if, you, if you all don't do this, then you're better people than I do. I am. But there's no way not to slot things in your head. Like, this is worse than that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you couldn't think that at some point or another. Like, oh, like we dodged one here, you know, or, yes. and there's some people then to get a thyroid issue and then it's more difficult to manage than someone else that has it. Like, it's not to say that right. it could be life and, and celiac changes, you know, celiac changes, like how you can eat. So right. I know that would be really restrictive. Um, one thing I didn't mention was with juvenile dermatomyositis, UV exposure flares the disease. So that's actually been really hard because we live in Southern California. Oh, the sun? Yes. Oh. 
So like that happens with lupus. I, I know you, I listened to an episode where you had, I think it was like a professional snowboarder. snowboarder yeah. And he like lives in Alaska during the summer to avoid UV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like that where um, something about it, UV triggers like the skin rash to be worse. And, you know, you could do months of medication and then you spend a day in the sun and it could all, <laughs> just go all your progress be, is undone. Yeah. So that's been a little hard because, okay. you know, you live in Southern California and it's always sunny. Do you ever consider moving? Possibly, but uh, all our families here. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. All, both of our families are here. Well, so. if you need a list of gloomy places, just go to the Facebook page and let people just say, I need to know where you guys live where there's no sun. I'm assuming. Where there's no UV, high UV. I think Washington State might be a spot because I was yeah. there for a week and I saw the sun like for a half a second one day. So. I don't know. And then we would also need to be near like a myositis center because not every uh, pediatric rheumatology is really familiar with juvenile dermatomyositis. So I know like Seattle Children's is a big myositis center and places on the East Coast. And And you got to work too. Like there's. Yes. (laughs) So I work full time. My husband works full time. Yeah. Um, I think that's actually why we didn't try Loop because. I would love to do loop, but when we started with the high dose steroids, we just thought we need something that can kind of be automated. So we went with the T slim. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the most trouble when, so she goes to school that I teach at, which is really convenient, mm-hmm. but there's also the navigating being a coworker with the school nurse who, you know, oh. um, Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. This is what you brought up at the beginning. I see. Okay. So you're a coworker, yeah, so, and if they do something so, you don't like, now you're a parent, and then that's a weird. Yes, yeah, I don't want to be push. You know how pushy to be, and um, we find school orders really challenging because uh, her prednisone, her steroid, tapers every five days. So every five days, the amount of steroid she's getting changes, which changes her insulin needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that when we go for our infusion days, she nor- her average is she uses about 10 units insulin a day. And the day she gets the high steroids intravenously uses 40 units. Hmm. That's a big jump. Yes. Wow. But that's really hard to then go back to school the next day. And then the school orders are for a non-steroid day, but they have to follow the school orders. Oh, I see what you're saying. There's you don't have that provision in your 504 that says, unless the parent says differently. That's a very important Um, sentence. So we, yes, we're working. I even asked when I called for the school orders and explained and they said, no, it can't just say, you know, what the pumped profile on, because I was hoping the school orders could just say whatever the profile says. Mm-hmm. I have an IV day. I have an after IV day. You know, can well, make that would make profiles. sense. Who's arguing with yes. you about that? Your doctor? Uh, the nurses, when you call in to the endo. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need that. That's not okay. That that's that's obvious. You need to get above that line of defense at the doctor's office. You need to get to a decision maker. A decision maker is what you need. And then you explain that again. (laughs) 
So we were hoping Control IQ can just kick in some insulin because they're very rigid about no corrections before three hours. Mm. And I just hate seeing her high, but they're like, oh, we can't give a correction until three hours. So Control IQ can give a little automated bolus. Um, yeah. So that's that, been, yeah, that that's they, been helpful. That they won't know about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the pump does it, so it's it's okay. It's yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that funny? So you can't do it, but the pump can do it. I got yes. you. Yeah. So, so nobody wants to take any responsibility for anything. <laughs> well, they just have to follow the school orders, which is, it's so hard because, but I will say I've been so lucky. The school I work at, she, uh, my daughter gets out before I'm done teaching because I teach upper grade and she's lower grade. They hired an extra LVN to stay so that she can go to the daycare on campus while I'm still teaching. Like, I will say they have been great about supporting us. Mm -hmm. What? Wait, um, I have, I'm so confused. I'm not confused. I don't want to get you in trouble at work. Why you're there? What does yes. it matter? Like you're there. You're the lady who three hours later is going to do it yourself. Well, like, sometimes I do if I can't, if it's recess or something, yeah. I can walk over. But the it's really hard. I mean, I don't get many breaks teaching. I'm in a self-contained class. So I have recess and lunch break where I could walk over and bolus her. And I have. Um, during virtual learning, when I had no students, I did one time, it was Valentine's Day, have to run across campus <laughs> and give her a shot because she was double arrow up and they, they weren't they allowed to it. correct. So, so yes. no kidding. That How far are you like walking from, from your daughter at school? No, oh, just like a three minute walk. I would just tell the kid, take the long way to the nurse's office. Stop by here. Right back into your room. No one's going to, I get you fired in three seconds, Tiffany. No problem. <laughs> well, next year she's going to be in fourth grade. So she'll, she, there's only two fourth grades. So mm. I'll put her in my partner's room, which is next door to my room. So next year I'm hoping to have a different setup where she can maybe more manage and I can just literally open the classroom door and peek in on her. I wonder if that wouldn't make the nurse feel more comfortable too. Yes. Like, like getting to see it happen. Yeah, it, yeah, it should work out. I mean, listen, you got bigger fish to fry. Who cares? <laughs> like, really, all this, I almost cursed, all this happened to you in the last, like, two years? Yeah, year and a half. Wow. Nine, yeah. ugh, geez, no kidding. Oh, so. wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a big, like, COVID. Like, you were probably like, I don't know what all these people are talking about, this this thing. At least I'm at home. <laughs> like, I, Right, yeah. I feel like... We were very lucky with the timing that life slowed down. You're not the only um, person that's ever said that to me. Yes. For we, real. We had more time from like the, the yeah. rush of, you know. All this but new my husband's great. How, yes. is, how is he with this, by the way? Is he, I mean, how do you manage type one? Is it the both of you together or do one of you take more control? I think I probably take more control because I'm obsessed with <laughs> listening to the podcast and learning. Mm -hmm. um, he's still very good at it. He's just as good as I am. But sometimes he defaults to me like, how many carbs should we get for this? Yeah. Or, you know, what should we do just for this? Um, and just the fact that I'm a teacher and so I work teacher hours. So I'm around her more. I'm the one that drives them to school and picks them up from school. We live in LA. So of course, you know, he sits in traffic yeah. to his to his um, job. 
but no, we definitely are a good team. I feel like all these challenges have brought us closer. Okay. Good. In the last year and a half, um, because it's like we're the only ones that's know that know what we're going through. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely on the same side of a fight now. I I've said this before, and I stick by it. When my wife is angry at somebody that's not me, it's better for our relationship. <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, you can just be like, yeah, them, boo. <laughs> as long as she's not mad at me, I'm like, this is terrific. But no, I mean, having a common target, a target's yes. the wrong word, um, uh, focus. Having a common focus is good. It, it does make you feel like you're on the same team, you know? Yes. So there's a little uh, a little marriage hack for all of you. If if, if your spouse is mad at you, <laughs> find another person that can be mad at. <laughs> I um we have a friend who has a type one. She's going into second grade. I've been watching them a little bit every week, and so I've been getting the experience of dosing and caring for another type one that's not my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I will say it's given me so much more empathy for school nurses. Because I try to, you know, really, so they're very low carb and keep tight control. And so when the daughter's at my house and she's, you know, 71 diagonal down, I'll give her, you know, some sips of juice. But it, and in my kid, I would know and trust that it's going to kick in. But in her, if I see her then go to the 50s, I'm like, drink more. (laughs) And I hate when the nurses do that to my daughter. But I now see how scary it is when you don't know someone else's body yeah. the way you know your own kid. And it really has given me more patience for <laughs> for what nurses have to do. Okay. Okay. Because okay. I don't know how this little girl responds. And I, you know, and she's like, I don't feel good. And I'm like, okay, drink the whole juice box. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if it's my daughter, I'm can be a little more risky and just trust that it's going to kick in. I just don't want anything happening on my watch with someone else's child. Isn't that something? Look at you. Yeah, I, that's a that's great <laughs> insight too. Like it really is. I have that knowledge from helping people remotely where you're just <laughs> like, I don't really know what's going to happen. And I'm not even there. So if they miss a sign that I would see <laughs> if I was there. So, so there's, but there's a fine line between careful and not going to be effective too. And so yes. you, it, it really is. Um, it's interesting that you saw that that way. It's a, that's a great insight and it definitely will, will help you. Yes. It really makes me less annoyed, you know, thinking, you know, we gave her half a juice box, but she kept going down and she said she was low. You know, normally I'm like, Oh no, don't get the whole juice box. And then now I see like, you know what? Sometimes it's a little, <laughs> tricky with someone else's kid to trust. Yeah, to, to how they're to do it. feeling well. So you can see it happen so. a number of times. You really get a feeling for how this is going to go. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it takes time to figure out. But you're still very early at it, and you really are. Um, I mean, the the steroids are an added. I mean, that's tough in the beginning, right? To have to, it's almost like you. It's almost like she was diagnosed with a super version of like getting her period all at the same time, like that impact from those steroids. And I mean, that, that insulin. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about going from 10 to 40 in a day. And, and 40 units, not even having great numbers that day. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that's keeping her in the hundreds and even two hundreds. Like 
I'm putting it in and it's just having no effect on her. And then till suddenly I have 13 units on board and then she goes double arrow down. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, it's just big. It's crazy. How were you able to do that? Do you just, the idea of you got to meet the need, you can't, you can't argue with this. This is what's happening. And this is really. So the first time we were still on MDI, she had to kick off treatment for JDM by doing a three-day hospital stay of high-dose steroids. Mm -hmm. And we were MDI. She was on zero Lantus at the time because, like, still honeymooning. And I had to do injections for those three days while she was getting high-dose steroids. And the hospital wants to be in charge of the shots. Yeah. And I quickly learned about an hour in that I was going to just have to give tons of secret shots. (laughs) because like I tried to be I'm a definitely a rule follower and so when they said okay um don't let her eat lunch we will get a they have to have two nurses come in to uh approve and give the insulin you know so they can double check Mm -hmm. and it was like an hour later and we were still waiting to feed her and I was just like no this we can't (laughs) and so i just gave secret shots the entire three days and i would let them do breakfast lunch dinner Mm -hmm. and then you Um, just fixed what they screwed up i mean they didn't even screw it up it just wasn't enough i was giving her five units at a time and she was going up that was the first time she ever got to 400 Mm -hmm. and nothing was bringing no amount of insulin was bringing it down and then i made her take a warm bath and that's actually the only thing that that actually turned the line yeah no kidding wow you you've really been forced to figure things out very quickly but the podcast has definitely helped because i just kept saying more insulin instead of trying to understand like well why why do steroids do this (laughs) why what's happening in her body you hear my dumb voice in your head more insulin more More insulin insulin. (laughs) doesn't matter go 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 um that's uh i'm i feel good about that i um i'm happy that this show helped you a little bit um but really yeah don't don't sit there and figure out why do steroids do this what is it about steroids just more insulin more insulin just knowing that it's going to have you found any rhyme or reason to it now have you been able to figure out days versus like when it chitrates away like our first day is more impactful do you have it kind of down to a little bit of a science or does it jump around and you have to be flexible every day of it um, definitely flexible every day, but in her pump, I have an IV profile for the days we go in. And then I have a day after IV profile because she's still insulin resistant that day, but not as much as the day before. Mm-hmm. And then the third day we go back to her normal profile, but I find doing a lot more corrections. Okay. And that's holding up and happening like that time after time. Yeah. It's crazy that it kind of always works out to 40 units. Like without me calculating, I'm not purposely counting as I go. But then at the end of the day, when you look in the pump history, it's like 39, 40, 41 units every one of those IV days. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. And then um, non-IV days, she's like 10 units a day. So then it's a timing issue because the amount you've got down to a, a science of about 40, but there's days it doesn't work out as well. We're timing, but how do you time the, I, uh, I guess that's a lot to think about. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) But the good thing about when you go in for the IVs, you just go to the infusion center and they don't worry about the diabetes at all. They totally leave it up to you, Mm -hmm. which is really helpful. 
Yeah. Well, they're they probably, don't. probably like, look, <laughs> there's only so much we can do here. Uh, you need to understand <laughs> some of this. Uh, that's good, too, because it puts you in. I mean, you feel like you're in charge, right? You, yes. Yeah, you have a good feeling about it. I would like that. I would, I would think that would make me nervous if she was going to do something already impactful. And then on top of that, the diabetes was just taken away from me by people who I'm pretty sure wouldn't be as good at it as I would be. I'd, I'd feel yes. I'd feel upset about that. Okay. Yes. Tiffany, I have to ask you, is there anything that we haven't spoken about that you wish we would have? Um, the, the only last thing is that um, I'm going into my 11th year of teaching and I never had a type one in my class until this past year. And of course, it's like the virtual year where the kids were only back in class for about three months at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And so I had my first type one student and it was interesting because I always thought I would follow her on my phone, you know, like, oh, if I, you know, if she was ever in my class, I put her phone, but actually it really worked out having her phone The the health office has an iPad that follows her numbers. Okay. But what worked out for us was putting her cell phone, she wears a Dexcom, putting her cell phone just in the back of the room. And as I'm teaching and, you know, when I walk back there, just pushing the phone to wake it up and seeing her number. And that was that it surprisingly was, was actually better than like having alarms go off for my daughter and her on my phone. Um, I felt like, and she was also very stable. So that helped. I mean, if she was constantly dropping, then that wouldn't Was she worked, newer diagnosed? No, they were there. Uh, I think she's like three years in or okay. two, two or three years in. So you're just, just, you're being able to see, ahead of time, like looking to see where trends were going, you found really helpful. Yes. And just, you know, being able to push it like, okay, she's 150 stable. She's good. And she was also very aware of herself. Like if she ever was low, Mm -hmm. you know, she was very responsible and capable of saying, I need juice, you know, and her mom would text me. And so it was a, it was like, I had the skills and I'm so sad. It was the virtual year because I you know, I finally had the skill set yeah, <laughs> to like, have her in my class. I'm and ready then, for this, damn it. And now, no, yes. Well, did it and teach I only you? had her for like three months in class. Yeah. Did it teach you anything? Like, were there any takeaways from it that you think you'll use for your daughter moving forward? Um, having the cell phone available instead of in the spy belt, mm-hmm. having her put the phone out where the teacher can just push on it. Um, and see her number is really helpful. Do you think that only worked, though, because your kid has diabetes and you know what you were looking at? Probably. Uh, so how do we... <laughs> but I could probably make a really quick cheat sheet that's not too intense, you know, that says to the teacher, if she's in the, you know, this range, sugar, or, you know, half a juice box. Yeah, like, yeah, do this. But, the, but like I said, the office is following their numbers on an iPad and that was new. So I pushed that and they got an iPad this year um, because they've never followed kids numbers. Mm-hmm. No, I so think, I thought good. that was a big step. Yeah, it is a, That's a really great step, especially in those. I know in California, the school systems are huge too. So it's harder to get things accomplished. I would imagine. Is yeah. That, I think yeah. I'm in like a, not what smaller district, but it's a unified district that has about 10,000 students. Okay. Right. Um, I did teach for LAUSD, so that was <laughs> a ginormous it, it's, school it, district. It's just a, it's almost like its own country, right? There's, yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> that you're running. 
Well, I really so. appreciate you doing this. I, I hope are you not still nervous? I hope. No, I feel good now. You feel good. But now. I think I was like entertaining enough. You didn't think you were entertaining <laughs> enough? No. Oh. Well, did you think I was entertaining? Yes. Oh. I, I'm entertained by every episode, so I need oh. to remind that. I'm terrific, so you're not a good judge because you feel like that. Wait, are there episodes <laughs> where you're like, Scott's terrible, but the episode is good? Uh, I think there was. <laughs> I shouldn't say. I think there was only one where I just couldn't. <laughs> just stopped it <laughs> was it me or was it the guest be honest it was you yeah i was bad <laughs> i think nice. you were just talking about the podcast a lot <laughs> i was just i just went off on like some tangent about something yes yeah yes well you guys got but no i really love the podcast i'm not unaware by the way if that happens it's just like you have to understand that i need therapy sometime too if you need this if you there are a thousand things happening behind the scenes where you might, if the, I guess the easy way for you to think about it would be that the podcast is under attack from multiple flanks and I'm <laughs> defending it. And once in a while, I have to scream out loud somewhere where someone can hear me. So I appreciate that you didn't want to hear it, but I, trust me, I had to get it out or I would have, I would have been. In I trouble. mean, I've listened to hundreds of episodes. Yeah. So, and I, I, I go all out of order. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. If you only turned off one of them, I'm taking that as a major win. Even if yeah, you were like, this guy's absolutely. like, oh, please. Are you kidding me? I love it. Listen, the truth is everyone can't love everything. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. Please go take that survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. And don't forget the Facebook page, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. There's something for everyone here at the Juice Box Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode. Wow, that was a very deep, uh, thanks so much for listening.